My name's Danny Bowes. I'm a singer in Thunder. You're listening to Andy Fox on The Rock Show on GTFM. Thunder were formed in 1989 by Luke Morley and Danny Bowes. Their debut album Backstreet Symphony from 1990 was a top 20 success and gave them five top 40 singles. From 1990 to 2000, they toured the world, released five albums, but initially bowed out in 2000. After a reformation in 2002 and another four albums, they announced yet another farewell in 2009. But they were tempted back again in 2011 and released their first album for seven years, Wonder Days, which went to number nine in 2015. Despite guitarist Ben Matthews' recovery from throat cancer, Thunder went on to tour the UK and play festivals in Europe, including Steelhouse and Rambling Man. After a 2017 album, Rip It Up, charted at number three in the UK album charts, they released Please Remain Seated, an acoustic reworking of their back catalogue, and have just released a brand new album, All The Right Noises, set to become another top ten album. I recently caught up with frontman and singer Danny Bowes to chat about the new release and recording it in a lockdown period. Actually, we recorded the new album in 2019 and the first part of 2020, as has been our uh, want over the last few albums. We split the album into three sessions, so uh, just two weeks at a time. So we go in and record the best of the tunes that Luke has written at that point. Um, so we went in in July 2019, we went in again in November 2019, and then again in January 2020. And by then we'd finished recording, so that was the start of last year. And then we had um, Mike Fraser mix it out in Vancouver. We had to wait for him to finish with um, oh, some little band, I can't remember what they're called now, they'll never amount to anything. ACDC, that was it, yeah, them. Yeah. And um, so once he finished with them, he mixed ours. that was March. And, uh, and then lockdown happened, so we soon realised that we couldn't shoot any pictures or do the cover or, or anything, so we had to wait, and which meant that September for release went out the window, and then the tour went out the window in November, the five arenas, so everything moved back. Releasing it um, without the normal promotion and doing gigs and stuff, uh, were you not tempted to put it back again, or did you think, well, it's done, let's get it out of there? I think we'd, we felt having waited a year or we knew it was going to be a year between finishing it and releasing it we got to the stage where we thought we're going to get ants in our pants and we're going to get back in the studio and start making another record if we're not careful so we don't want to be into this kind of use your illusion type situation when we've got loads of albums and we're just waiting to release them yeah, yeah. so we decided let's just go with March and whatever happens will happen when it comes to touring we agreed it with a label um Obviously, it's not ideal because usually, you you know, as you as you intimated earlier, the album helps to sell the tour and the tour helps to sell the album. But, you know, these are not normal times. No, so we just thought, well, let's just get the album out. Before we talk about it um, to, in total, I just want to go back to Please Remain Seated. Uh, yeah. It was a brave move for you guys um, and a tour to match, but it wasn't universally accepted by all of the fan base, was it? Would that be fair? Well, I think, well, I think uh, it's inevitable. You know, if you spend the best part of 30 years asking people to jump up and down and scream their heads off every night when you play live, I think it's inevitable that some of them are going to say, hold up, what's this about? 
when yeah. you ask them to sit down for two hours, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we we accepted that. We knew it would be um, strange for some people to get their heads around. And I have to tell you, you know, I'll be honest, when we did the tour, we were a bit twitchy about whether or not the shows would go as well as we hoped they would. I mean, we knew musically it was strong, but we just wondered whether people would just get a bit antsy about sitting down for two hours, but they did. And interestingly, in the after shows every night, I met people who told me they thought it was the best show they'd ever seen by us because they were able to sit and take it in rather than be jumping up and down and shouting their heads off and gasping of for breath. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it, worked it, out right. it, it took me aback a, a little bit so when you did those shows with Ben, you know, the Danny and Ben shows? Well, I think, interestingly, I think the Please Remain Seated idea has its roots in those shows. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. It really does, because yeah. when we... I mean, I don't know if I told you the story behind those shows, but we did it almost as a favour to a guy who worked in a secondary school down yeah. in Mason in Kent. That's right, yeah. And he, he asked us if we would go along and inspire in inverted commas his <laughs> students yeah and uh we said we'd go along but it it was really twitchy because i mean they didn't give a monkeys about us you know they're all teenagers and we're these silly old sods you know they don't know who we are they didn't care but we got a bit twitchy and started making each other laugh and they joined in and then as a result of that the idea for the show was born um mm. i took it to live nation who initially were very concerned and but I took him in and we made them laugh and they decided that they would back it. And yeah. we did five shows, which turned into 15. And we had to embrace playing differently. You, yeah. know, for, yeah. you know, we had to change the keys and fiddle about with it. And I think you interviewed us at the time that we did that show. I did, I in Bath, yeah. Yes, I remember. And yeah. um, it was it was a revelation. It was. But if you fast, if you fast forward a few years, you know, we got into a situation where fans had been asking us for a kind of a quiet version of Love Walked In's because they didn't want to play the full-on rock version at their at their wedding in case it blew their granny's hair off. And so we decided we would try it. And we adopted the kind of Danny and Ben approach by just kind of changing the tunes up and changing the key. And Luke, you know, he wrote a recorder solo to go in there. You know, it was odd. But once we got the idea, it all started to feel like we could do it with other tunes and ne next thing you know please remain seated came along you know yeah. so it was born out of the danny and ben tour for sure so it's back to rocking thunder style for uh, all the right noises i put it down it's another tour de force that follows on most definitely from wonder days and rip it up i think these three albums although they're all different it's almost like a trilogy since you've come back isn't it certainly there was a plan to tweak each album and record it in the same way because we really like this three session system we really like that you know yeah, yeah. gives Luke time to reflect on the stuff that we've recorded plus the stuff we're going to record yeah. it's not too onerous for any of us to be in the studio for weeks on end the problem I have with being in the studio for too long is that I tend to listen to the album afterwards and I feel like I've used all the same moves on every song after a while because it's like routine. You just go into work every day. When you're only doing it for two weeks, you kind of use all your best moves, you know, during that two weeks. And then three, four months later, you go back in and you've got another load of moves to use. Yeah, so yeah. you just have a fresh, fresh perspective each time. 
cost yeah. you more money and it takes longer in the long run yeah. but uh, I think we really think we get a better album out of it and we really enjoy doing it that way so you know it's in terms of like the evolution of the band and our work style I think it's very um, it's a very positive mood and I think the fact that we decided we wanted to kind of push the boundaries of what the band was capable of with each album um, make it a bit harder to do and that certainly has been the case um, we've I think it's I just I think we've found a way of raising our own bar if you like and I think by doing it I think we end up with better records as a result good okay um, now the first track we heard was last one out turn out the lights uh, I call it a statement of intent um, certainly after please remain seated it comes excuse the pun thundering in uh, it's full on it's in your face great girl vocals horns it's got great vibe to it that song sure um that was always going to be the first tune on the album the moment luke wrote the demo we heard the demo and we all said oh yes so this is definitely going to be a rock album then and some people who had said oh well okay so please remain seated is here maybe thunder are ready for their pipe and slippers you know maybe that's that's maybe that's what we get from the band now you know when when we saw some of those comments, you know, oh, right. I think, I think, you know, it was one of those, it was a real driver. Yeah. You just thought to yourself, well, let's put last one out, turn off the lights as the first track on the album. And then they can see whether they're right or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was recorded at the legendary Rockfield um, studios, which is obviously not very far away from me. So um, is that the first time you'd been there? No, no, uh, no, no, no. We, uh, uh, we worked there when we did the thrill of it all in 95. Okay. That was the first time we ever worked there. Um, and we didn't return. I think Luke had been back to do various projects with other bands, but we didn't go back until Wonder Days. When we made the Wonder Days album, we made uh, okay. a conscious decision to go back to Rockfield. And everything we've done since then has been at Rockfield. So Rip It Up was done there. Please Remain Seated was done there. And, and this one, All The Right Noises. We like it. It's, you know, it's all bashed up. The people are mental, you know. <laughs> You yeah. never know what's going to happen any minute. You know, Kingsley Ward, the guy who runs a place, you know, he just he just barges in and starts checking the air conditioning while you're in the middle of takes and stuff, you know, <laughs> which is great. You know, completely eccentric. You get horses walking in the room. We've had that as well. You know, it's just, it's mental, but we love it. I absolutely love it. And it's, like I said, it's a bit bashed up, which means we don't feel, you know, in any way kind of inhibited. You go into some studios where they're like hospitals. You know, yeah. you don't, you know, you can't put your feet up you know you, you can't you can't spill a beer you know that's not our way you know we like to be very comfortable very relaxed and just let it let it happen you know and it works it's great we love it destruction now when i first said it i didn't even think it sounded like thunder it's very dark um i believe it's about mental illness it is it is um luke's mother-in-law sadly went through um uh dementia and i think I think he looked at the way her life deteriorated. He looked at the way his and his wife's lives changed as a result of it and what they had to do. And I think he, you know, I think it really deeply affected him, like it affects everybody. You know, I mean, you know, my mother died of dementia, you know, dementia. I mean, it touches everybody sooner or later. It's the big time bomb, you know, in the world, yeah. dementia. And, um, it's a very real issue and it's, and it's becoming bigger and bigger for more and more people. 
and I think the way that he dealt with it was to write a song about it, which is which is what he does. And he, you know, for me, the kind of the the way that it goes from being very dark and very menacing to very big and very powerful, I think it's 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 very um, it's very kind of symptomatic of the kind of misery that goes on. I mean, the thing is, you chop your leg off, everyone can see it. You know, you know, you get something wrong with your mind, nobody knows. I think I did say to Luke the other day, you know, when you start writing songs for the next album, can you take some happy tablets? Because, I mean, it seems to me like you must have had a lot of misery going on in your life. You know, he was angry, writing. wasn't he? He was angry. Yeah. He said to me, I was fed up about a lot of different things, you know, so it came out. Um, yeah. What's amazing to me is that he can write songs about things he cares very deeply about and still make them entertaining. You know, after all these years, the fact that he can send me a demo he can blow my hair back and surprise me is for me it's stunning you know mm. we've been doing this we've known each other for 50 years this year amazing you know and he's been writing songs that i've been singing for most of the last 46 years you know and that's nuts he can still surprise me i mean and the smoking gun was one of those you know when he first played it i thought okay yeah all right i got it here blaze of glory i know where i'm going yeah absolutely yeah 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 and then when i started listening to the lyrics i thought hang on a minute this is clint fucking eastwood you know <laughs> and it just changed and it changed and it changed and you know and when i listened to the lyric i thought he's having a go at donald trump here yeah. well, not, not necessarily donald trump it could be you know bolsonaro it could be any of those guys with old cult of personality going on you know Populism yeah. is on the rise around the world, and people are coming to power by telling people what they want to hear. And the fools don't know it, mm. you know, and it's frightening, really mm. frightening. Mm. Uh, and that's what the song's about, basically. You know, people it's, people just get the wool pulled over their eyes. Well, one of my favorites is Don't to Forget to Live Before You Die. Very moody, very scary, if I can say yeah. so. But yeah. a thunder epic, very poignant as well. Love it. Very, um, very dark again. Yeah. Uh, inspired by a conversation he had with a barman, would you believe? Oh, really? Interestingly, okay. a lot of the songs come about as a result of something happening in a bar. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of the story of Luke's life, I think. Yeah. Uh, but he apparently bought a round of drinks, tried to buy the barman a drink afterwards. And the barman refused the drink. And he said, oh, don't you drink? And he said, no, no, I don't drink. And he said, oh, wow. He said, you're only young. Why don't you drink? He said, well, you know, I get a bit out of control. And he said, well, surely that's why everybody drinks. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, do you smoke? He went, no. He said, do you take any drugs? He said, no. He said, what do you do? So he said, well, I work. So he said, how old are you? And the guy said he was like 24 or something. And um, it was shock, Luke. He just thought, what kind of a life is that guy going to have? You know, if he's frightened of everything and all he does is work, he's going to get to 50 and suddenly realise nothing has ever happened to him. And I think that that shocked Luke because, I mean, you know, we've we've had a very nice life. You know, we've enjoyed ourselves more than most people ever write to over yeah. the years. Yeah, we've yeah. laughed probably more than most people ever will. Yeah. You know, and um, it just seems such a shame to, for people to have a life that, where nothing happens and they're frightened of everything. It's awful. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, poignant again now, isn't it? Because of what's sure. happened. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's very funny when you look at some of these tunes through the prism, as he called it. I think that was a quote from him, actually. You look at the tunes through the prism of the pandemic. 
it's interesting how many of them still resonate in a way that they shouldn't really when you consider the songs were all written in some cases two years before another epic and you always do great ballads is I'll Be The One no exception to the Thunder um, ballad canon so to speak yeah when I first heard the demo obviously it's him singing it and he sounds a bit like he's been strangled whilst falling down the stairs (laughs) but you know we've been listening to his demos for a while so we know what he expects us to do with them Um, and when I first heard the demo I projected forward to the studio and imagined what it would be like for the rest of us on the record and I just thought I think this is possibly up there with one of the best ballads he's ever written for me it feels like coming together a lot of the best ballads pretty much almost like encompassed in one and um, what I didn't bargain on was the difficulty I would have singing it I just yeah I mean I told you we did three sessions I sang it in a first session couldn't do it sang it in a second session got a bit better but it still wasn't right and I sang it in a third session and I just felt like I'd scraped it home and over the last year since we finished it it's probably only the last couple of months where I can listen to it now and I'm not hearing all the things I didn't do as well as I'd like to have it's well, it's interesting well it's funny you should say that because I put I put a brilliant vocal from you and an equally brilliant solo from Luke yeah I think the solo is one of his best I mean and other people have said it it was very interesting because he he played the solo on the demo pretty much free form just pretty much made it up as he went along and he kept it in the first version that we did and then when we did the third session when I was begging him to sing it again I can do it better I can do it I can do it better I know I can do it better um, he said all right let's do the vocal again and I want to change the back half of the solo so I said why it sounds great and he said no 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 I've got something in my head I want to do it and when he did it I just thought well he's, he's as his goodbye a love moment you know right at the end there he's like straight out the carpenters right at the end I just loved it mm. and so we both got our way in the end on that song but um yeah I, I for me it's right up there it's right up there with some of his best you you have said before and I'm sure you'll say it again and I would totally agree with you he sometimes doesn't get the credit for his songwriting does he I don't think he gets the credit for his songwriting I don't think he gets the credit for his guitar playing you know he's a consummate guitar player I think the problem is because he writes songs, people f- concentrate on one or the other. And, and obviously I'm the singer, I'm the shouty one, you know, I'm the one at the front showing off, so there's a lot of talk about, about me. When you feel you can get by And there's tears in your eyes Who will you call? You're going to be my girl. Apparently, is that going to be the next single? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, it comes out just after the after the album's released. Yeah, yeah great chorus. Great live song, I imagine. Bit Faces. I like that. Sure. Yeah, no. We, you need a bit of, you know, you need a bit of light and shade on the album. And, um, you know, interesting, but, when he first wrote that one, 
the transition between the verse and the chorus wasn't quite right. And the rest of us, when we had the discussion, we said, eh, you know, I like the chorus, I like the verse, but there's something about the way it changes from one to the other is not quite right. And Luke said, I know what you mean. I'm going to see what I can do. And he basically fiddled with it. And I, have, I confess, I still wasn't convinced. But when we got into the studio and we did it, suddenly I thought, oh, here we go. That's it. There it is. Right in the pocket. Brilliant. And stick the girls on it, you know, doing yeah. their Supremes impersonation. And suddenly, you know, the whole thing makes sense. St. George's Day goes back to darker subject matter. Immigration, I believe. Yeah, or I think it's to do with um, what it what it means to be English in in the 21st century at the moment i think um immigration's here he isn't going anywhere you know um the mixing of the mixing of of populations is not a bad thing it's a good thing you learn stuff from people you know you're 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 richer for having the influences of other cultures yeah, um, of but there's a whole bunch of people out there who are xenophobic and scared to death of anything that isn't what they know and what the song tries to point out is, you know, how do you know where you come from? If you, you know, you, you start going back in time, the chances are, as it says in the lyric, you know, if you go back far enough, we're all for another, from another place, you know. I mean, my, my relatives are Irish, Luke's relatives are Irish, you know. Um, that's not far away, but, you know, they could just as well be Turkish, you know. I mean, it's, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter, you know. You're not who you think you are. Yeah. You just do the best you can with what you've got. Yeah. Now, Force of Nature, that's another of my favourites, uh, directed at politicians in general or a certain ex-US president? Uh, only one. There's only one orange buffoon, and that is Donald J. Trump. Okay. Yeah, that, that song tries to get inside the mind of the man himself. Impossible, of course, because, you know, who can be that deluded and narcissistic? But, you know, I certainly tried to channel him. I drank a lot of wine when I sang it, and uh, it kind of got myself in a place. I'm not sure if it was the right place, but... um. Yeah, it's it's you know it's like something out of Frank Zappa album that one you know some of that guitar stuff going on in there you know my dog when I played it you know that you know that face that dogs do you know they tip their head to the side you know, <laughs> yeah. one, it's a bit confused well weirdly when we sat around listening to the demo we all four of us did it when he played us the demo during the guitar solo because it's so discordant and it's so odd yeah. and I played it to my dog and my dog did exactly the same thing it's bizarre huh. and she's deaf. How about that? The album is more serious, isn't it, uh, subject-wise? I mean, generally. I mean, I know you said you wanted Luke to take happy pills for the next one, but I think it's it's about growing up, partly, because I, I've noticed Luke said in quote in classic rock, we can't keep doing songs about chasing girls all the time. Well, he's too old for a start. I mean, he's <laughs> you know, his back won't take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think I think he's absolutely right. I think you, I don't think it's necessarily about serious or wanting to be serious or even growing up. I think at the end of the day, if you've been around for thirty plus years as a band, albeit you know with a couple of little mini breaks, I think you've earned your stripes. You know, I think we feel that we have an audience that knows who we are. They trust us to deliver something that will be of a good quality. And we know ourselves well enough to know that we won't let them down. You know, we do our level best to make sure that the record's as good as it can be. Same as the live performance, you know. Yeah. We don't ever take them for granted. So, you know, it doesn't really matter to me whether or not it's serious or funny or whatever, because I know that by the time we release the next record, we will have 
a cracking. I mean, what am I doing here? I'm talking about the next album before this one's even out. But <laughs> he's already started writing it. I know he has. Oh, so, okay. cool. so I think it's um, you know, I know it'll be a good set of tunes, and we'll raise the bar again. Find a way to do it. Get a bit inventive. Get a bit creative, and um, we're just going to do it. I think it comes down to the fact that we recognised when we came back with Wonder Days that we needed to make sure we raised the bar because we didn't know i mean we've got more albums and time and experience behind us than we've probably got in front now you know and that realization that dawning made us realize that you know who knows when one of us might end up having something bad happen to him. god forbid you know yeah, yeah. but we have to be alive to the fact that it might happen yeah. and if something like that happens um does that mean that we would be able to carry on? We don't know. Yeah. And if we weren't able to carry on, we'll only be as good as the last record that we made. So, that there's the gauntlet thrown down. You yeah. just got to make sure it's the best record you could make at the time. You know, and wait, wait, if it ends up being the last one, then so be it. I don't need an introduction. Everybody knows my face. I problem is that people view things from years ago um, with rose-tinted spectacles, you know, it's, you know, they associate it, like we all do, with times in their life, you know, they were young, probably, carefree, maybe, you know, maybe they conceived their first child to love walked in, you know, I mean, people have told me this shit, you know, yeah, and yeah. I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's how it makes you feel. It reminds you of, of a bygone era. Maybe when times were happier, when you were younger and more virile and had more hair and whatever it is, you know, that you that makes you feel good. It doesn't matter, you know. We don't care. We just want to make sure we do the best we can with every record. It's not up to us to judge it. You know, a guy said to me today, what do you think is your best song? I said, I don't give a monkey. So I don't give a shit which is our best song. All I care about is making sure that we deliver the best music so we give people like you an opportunity to make a decision you know you guys it's out there it's up to the audience to judge whether the songs are any good people have told us time and time again that they think this album might be up there with with one of our best and if that's the case and and it's proved to be and, and people think that's the case then i'll take it all yeah, day long but if they don't i don't care we're gonna make another record anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i have to ask you about the the cover and the artwork that's yeah. phenomenal isn't it i, I mean I know it came from a idea that uh, Luke had about, you know, the whole hypnosis covers, but this is a real sculpture thing, isn't it? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when we came up with a title, the title is lifted from the second verse of the song Destruction. Yeah. Um, and we thought it was quite a good, cheeky title for an album. You know, it's, it's, it's very typical us, you know to uh to make a cheeky kind of title um you know and be slightly arrogant about the fact that you know you're you're calling your album all the right noises you know it does presume a lot you know mm -hmm. and we thought well okay you know some people will probably smile wryly you know when they hear it and then we started googling you know weird musical instruments and up came a singing ringing tree and this thing is as you say it's a real sculpture it's made of steel um and it's uh, it was designed by two architects called Tonkin and Lou, based in London. Uh, when we saw the picture of the thing, we realised it was on a hill overlooking Burnley, and we just 
we just knew we had to get a picture of it we didn't want to use any stock photographs we approached the architects and said would you mind if we used it on our album cover and they bit our arms off you know as you'd imagine and um so we waited we had to wait until july because obviously that was the first opportunity we got with the whole kind of lockdown one yeah and uh, luke and jason our mate went and took a picture of it the the photograph you see of it uh was taken at 3 30 in the morning just as the sun came up amazing there's no photoshop there that's what it looked like at 3 30 in the morning last july amazing. and uh, when he sent me the picture from the hotel that night i just said to him you have nailed it you clever boy uh-huh. what a great picture and you know everyone we've showed it to said the same thing uh, yeah. what i really like about it more than anything else is it has this kind of odd alien kind of quality it's it shouldn't be there but it is i'm looking at it now there is. and it's look yeah and it's looking down over burnley and you could you could look at it in two ways you could say this thing is is an alien force protecting the good folk of burnley from invaders mm. or you could look at it the other way and say it's just fixing to go down there and kill them all <laughs> yeah and i like the, you know and that's very storm thorgerson you know he's yeah, open yeah. to interpretation you know yeah. and storm well, bless him you know he was a lovely 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 man and he we got on very well with him but he was mental as anything i mean really was by the next time you play because you've re-announced the shows for May 2022, it'll be yeah. over two years since you last played. Yeah, I realise that. I mean, I suppose you do. Yeah, nothing we so, do. About so, it. so, so, I take it you're all missing that playing live, or, or as the layoff, you know, made things you feel different about it. I don't know. Oh no, 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 no. You, you know, playing live for a band like us, all bands, you know, playing live is there's something you know there's a buzz you get from playing live you can't get any other way you know when people say you know it's like a drug i don't know i've never taken drugs one thing i do know is um i don't you know i don't ache for doing it i never have you know it doesn't bother me how long the the time goes between playing and not playing but one thing i do know is when we do it there are very few things that make me happier than that Okay. And I think, um, weirdly, when we broke up, both times when we split up, we would meet each other occasionally, but we would never meet all five of us in the same room. For some reason, that's just the way it went. Yeah. And when we got back together to rehearse, on both occasions, after two years of being apart and not being in the same room, we would get back together and we rehearsed. And I remember driving home from the first rehearsal. My wife said, how was that? And I said, what do you mean? So it was all right. And she said, well, how was it though? Wasn't it weird? I said, why? And she said, well, it's the first time you've all been in the same room together for five years, uh, for two years. So I said, oh, yeah, that's weird. Didn't even occur to me. And the next day I went in to rehearse and I said to the band, do you realize? And I explained and they said, Ugh. yeah, weird. Nobody, nobody realized. You know, and I think that's that's kind of that's what we're like as people. You know, we just kind of slip back in. We're just like a really rotten old comfortable pair of slippers. You know, <laughs> a bit bashed up, but they're very comfy, and you don't even know you got them on. <laughs> All these things are sent to try us, and my guts tell me that these bands are triers. They've got resilience. And they're not about to give up just because of a year or 18 months or even two years 
where their lives have been changed. You know, they're a rock, they're rock and roll bands, and they're going to come back, and they're going to come back all guns are blazing, and people will be ready for those bands because people like to go out and see shows. You know, human beings like to like to congregate in huge mobs, get drunk, shut their heads off, and, and enjoy loud music. You know, that's yeah. going to come back sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. We'll come back. I'm not worried about them. I'm really not. I think I think they'll um I think they'll be just fine. After all that, and the album's out. Will it go a bit flat for you guys until the 2022 tour, or what yeah, else? I doubt, I doubt it. He's already writing a new album. Okay. Uh, we've got plans to go back into the studio, irrespective of whether or not we, we're ready to make a new record. We're going back into the studio because we want to. We've got we've got the bug. We want to revisit a bunch of old tunes. Oh, okay. Um, not um. Not to kind of deconstruct and reconstruct and change the style we just want to go back and see what we've learned in 30 years whether or not we can apply what we've learned to some of these old tunes and see whether or not we come up with anything that's a little bit more interesting than we did the first time into town timed it to perfection Clear. Unhinged mind